The Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football 24-17. How has the development looked for young quarterback Kenny Pickett? Matt Ryan, is he done? Jeff Saturday, what about clock management? And a big part of today's podcast is about where teams are now after 12 weeks in the standings. What is the draft situation looking like? So the good and bad teams in the NFL jockeying for position on today's Peacock and Williams. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. That's where you're going to want to get your questions in for Wednesday's mailbag episode of Peacock and Williamson. You can also drop a comment in on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed up, hit the thumbs up and all of those things. And of course, thanks as always for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's start with those Indianapolis Colts, Max. I know you have a lot of thoughts on the Steelers, how things are developing there, sure. uh, how the defenses look now with with TJ Watt back, Kenny Pickett in the offense. Uh, I want to ask you questions about the usage at running back, uh, which is, I think, kind of eye-opening with the Steelers right now. But yeah. you got to start with the end of the game and kind of work forward with Jeff Saturday's clock management and Matt Ryan's clock management at the end of the football game, not using any timeouts, with the clock ticking down, Matt Ryan uh, scrambles short. Then they don't call a timeout. They go to the line. Everyone saw it on Monday Night Football. Everyone's questioning it on Monday Night Football. They try to run the ball to get the first down. They don't. And then they have a fourth down play. Can't convert. And that's the end of the game. You're sitting there with timeouts. And as we know, you cannot trade your timeouts in for points in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if Coach Saturday knows you can't roll them over to next week or what's the story? Taking two to the locker room, not a real good move. Do you chalk it up to? Oh, no. New head coach, bad clock management, period. Is it that simple with the, with the end of this football game, Matt? I guess. I mean, it's inexcusable to me. I mean, I, I don't understand – what the logic was you had three with plenty of time on the clock. You could have given your team a couple more shots. Like I didn't really care at the kneel downs at the end. They even gave him a hard time. Like, why is he calling a timeout while the Steelers are kneeling this thing out? Well, I don't care about that. I mean, so what? Yeah, Belichick do that. Do that. Right. Come on, let's, let's get this over with. Right. Game's over. Um, but I, I didn't understand it at all. I mean, what are you saving them for? And it's a perfect example of being in over your head. And frankly, I don't really have strong opinions about Saturday as a head coach. I mean, the team has played better these last three weeks. But I also think we need to look at the Colts season as a whole because there was a two-game stretch there before Saturday got hired where they just gave games away by playing Ellinger. I mean, he's not an NFL player. So is that Frank Reich's fault that you're throwing out a guy that had no chance to succeed? Because the games pre-Ellinger – aren't ridiculously bad. The games post-Ellinger aren't ridiculously bad. They're just merely a below-average team, not the worst team in the league, you know? Yeah, it, it felt like when the Colts went to Ellinger instead of Matt Ryan, it was a group decision, GM, ownership, Owner. head coach, 
tank. You know, kind of the, the elegant tank, as some people call it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, better for the organization long term. Let's do it this way. And then to see a head coach get fired, a new head coach come in, go back to Matt Ryan. It doesn't feel that way after all. Right. And and they have been more competitive. So you can crush Jeff Saturday for the end of this game, but they've been better since he showed up the last few weeks. Yeah. Can you get better in clock management. Yes. Here's what Jeff had Jeff Saturday had to say about it. And then I, my take might be a little bit different than some, but um, Jeff Saturday on the decision not to call a timeout after Matt Ryan's scramble that took roughly 30 seconds off the clock. So I think it was like 59, 55 seconds. and went all the way down to, uh, to 20 seconds or something like that, um, that, that ticked off the clock. And Jeff Saturday said, quote, I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't too concerned. We had plenty of timeouts. This wasn't a press for time. And I see what Jeff Saturday is saying. What he's saying is we didn't run out of time. We ran out of downs. If we got the first down and we had three timeouts and we could have had plenty of time in the last 20 seconds of the game to throw the ball, run the ball, call timeouts, whatever we need to do to get in the end zone and score. And the only question for me is, and I like, it's actually a good point by Jeff Saturday. The, the the Colts didn't run out of time, even though it seemed like it was really strange that they weren't calling timeouts. But the only question I have is, if you do call a timeout, do you call a better play on the fourth down? Like, That's the, what you're saying. Yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Do you, not, do you not run the ball with John Taylor there? Is there a better play? Does calling a timeout give you a better shot to get the first down? Because if that's a yes, then you screwed up. But if not, then it doesn't matter. And Jeff Saturday's kind of right because they didn't run out of time. They ran out of downs. If you get a first down, now you're in a good position to do whatever you need to do to try to score with all of your timeouts. So, you know, um, I, I kind of get where Jeff Saturday's coming from on that. But I think most people, you're scrambling around, scrambling around, time is running, you're hurrying up. You probably could have got a better play in if you use one of those timeouts. I think that's well said by you. And I like how you said he ran out of downs. They didn't run out of plays. They ran out of downs. You know, I mean, it, it, the, the clock was there for them to use. And, hey, I made the joke, and I kind of laughed as it was happening too. But I'll be honest, the optics of it look much worse than what his true decision-making were. And it's I mean, Monday Night Football, and everyone's second-guessing it, and you're seeing it tick down, and every right. single person that's watching the game uh, is like, what are you doing? Call a time. And like – Matt Ryan, too, as soon as he goes down on that play, you stand, you don't even look, you don't wait for the coach to call it. You stand up and call timeout. So it's kind right. of on Matt Ryan. Around the block. Too. And so maybe they're on the same page there with that. I don't know. It's anyway, the, the Colts season's going in the wrong direction. I think that's the, the big takeaway from Indianapolis. Yeah, but they're not super easy to play against. Ryan's shot is the problem. I mean, uh, leading up to this game and all my Steelers stuff, I said, Folks, this is like playing against last year's Steelers with Ben because he wants the ball out of his hands. He can't protect himself anymore. Everything's going to be a short throw, attack the catch, take away the run. They have a better running back. You know, I mean, it's it's a, a very limited offense because of the quarterback that they have right now. You know, and that's just the way it is. He's, he's done. Uh, one more note on the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, you know, pretty standard 20 carry line, not amazing, mm-hmm. not bad. Touchdown, 4.3 yards per carry, 86 yards there. A uh, big part of that offense, as always. But how about rookie tight end Jelani Woods? I mean, he stands yeah. out. He's six foot seven. He got nine targets in this game, eight catches for 98. Uh, look pretty good out there. He can hit the seam a little bit, he can block a little bit. Uh, I had him in our dynasty league, Matt, a couple weeks ago because of Kyle Pitts going down. And he had been out the last couple of weeks and you know, didn't, I just didn't have enough room to stash him on the roster anymore. And I actually had Trey McBride instead. And now I'm kicking myself. I wish I would have dropped McBride and kept Jelani Woods, but he just wasn't you know, active the last couple of weeks because uh, he was hurt. Um, that's a, a little interesting piece they got there. 
Yeah, speaking of the Dynasty League, I want to thank all of you for allowing me to pick up Mike White very late in the process. That was very, <laughs> very kind of you in a two-quarterback league when Mills and Stafford well, were out for me. So that was that was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was perfect timing there for you. <laughs> went, the same went, thing, went actually, the same thing happened to me. I want to thank Frank Reich and the Colts because I got to plug in Sam Ellinger for one game because I had – it's a two-quarterback league and I yeah. locked in the Dynasty League here with a bunch of the, the hosts on the network. And not to bore anybody with our personal fantasy leagues because nobody ever really cares. But two quarterback league, I have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I feel pretty good about that. That's awesome. We both had the yeah. same buy this year. And luckily, right at that time, I was able to plug him in because quarterbacks are scarce in that league. And, and you can't, it's not a super flex. You have to start two quarterbacks. Yes. And so I was going to start Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't have to take a zero, luckily. So we both got a little bit lucky with our quarterback usage this year. That's right. No, you're right about Woods. I mean, that would go a long way. I mean, Pierce, Pittman, Campbell, Woods could be a really long-term varied skill set with Taylor, you know, that, that could be knocking out a, a bird. They've been looking for a, a, a tight end there. I think since like Dallas Clark, just feels like. Just got to figure out quarterback. Do they go old? Right. Do they go young next year? That's the big question with the Indianapolis Colts. Next, we've got to talk about your Steelers, Matt. What's going on in the backfield with the usage there, how they're handing out carries very different to start the season quarterback, different than, what started uh now you got the young rookie Kenny Pickett in there how has his development looked we're going to check out the playoff picture an anomaly potentially in the NFC playoffs with the entire NFC East potentially getting in and potentially being there for a while uh in the NFC playoffs and what's the top of the draft looking like Russell Wilson's Broncos really doing a a favor for the Seattle Seahawks all that and more coming up on today's episode of Peacock and Williamson which is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Think like Airbnb, but for cars. It's a it's so easy to get on the app, you look around, what's in your community? What's in your neighborhood? What cars can you drive with Turo for whatever occasion you want really or budget across the united states taro's in the uk taro's in canada taro's now in australia as well you need to go on a family road trip right so you go find yourself a nice big minivan of uh, a spacious suv for that trip maybe you uh, just need to get from point a to point b you need a car today right so you go get an economy car you go run your errands you go do whatever you need to do get from point a to point b with efficiency on a budget uh, maybe you want to test drive that new car that you you know, test drives or you get in a car one time. It's like, okay, you drive around the block. Yeah, do I love this car? I don't know. You can drive it all day. Drive it for a few days. Drive it for a week if you want and, and find out if you really want that new car. Maybe if an electric vehicle fits into your life or if you want to roll up to a special event in style with a luxury car or a classic car, you can rent that from a Turo host as well. And many Turo hosts can deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen today. I want to tell you about another show that you should check out on the network, Locked On Sports Today. For the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts like Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. And insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Is... 
is Najee Harris, Matt, in danger of losing his job? Is he in the doghouse? Is he maybe just not as good as we all hoped he would be? He got out carried by Benny Snell in this game. Anthony McFarland getting a lot of carries in this game. Kenny Pickett, obviously, part of the running game because he's an athletic young quarterback. But I saw Benny Snell getting the ball in pretty important situations. Both Snell and Harris had um, had touchdown carries in this game. But Snell outcarried Najee Harris 12-10, to 10, had better yards per carry, used in numerous situations. It wasn't just like, okay, this is a down and distance only for you. What's going on in the backfield, man? Here's the deal. And first of all, since we're talking fantasy a little bit, all of you folks out there, keep your eyes peeled for backs that have no wear and tear on their body, like Kyron Williams in in the Rams. I mean, being a running back in the NFL is hard. It's late November. There always is a league winner or two out there that you pick up on December 2nd, and he, he never, no one's ever heard of him, but he's got fresh legs and he's playing at a different speed. I don't think that's the case here. Harris, of course, entered as the bell cow. But Warren, Jalen Warren, who is inactive for this game, was very impressive and is cutting into Harris more and more. And Harris hasn't been himself. But post-buy, Harris has been very, very good. Ideally, it would probably be about two-thirds Harris, one-third Warren. Warren is very good on passing downs as well. Warren was out for this game. So Benny Snell's been active every game. He's never touched a football before last night because he's a very good special teamer. Um, McFarland, this was the first game he's been active. He got the call because Warren was out. He was going to be the two. Um, Harris did something to his abdominal area and was ruled out at halftime. So he, he was still giving way to the other two, but he's looking fine before this injury last night. Snell had a really good game and I thought McFarland had a really good game. So just monitor injuries, but the pecking order definitely is Harris, Warren, probably Snell because he's going to be active no matter what McFarland and depending who's out of that equation you can bump them up accordingly but all of a sudden my Steelers are running the football I mean they're averaging 158 yards on the ground over the last three weeks which is night and day for them and that's been made Pickett's life much easier and you know they're controlling the flow of the game time of possession not turning the ball over and I'll be honest. I mean, I'm very biased. I understand that. But I predicted this a while ago that post by Steelers, these last three games and going forward, is going to look tremendously better than pre by Steelers when they had the hardest schedule in the league and were getting killed by the Bills and Eagles in these teams. And Pickett was learning. Getting back to Steeler football. So you're bit, not yeah. out and picking up Benny Snell in all your fantasy leagues, Matt? No, he has 12 carries on the year. I, I mean, if we think Najee's going to be out for a while – and Warren's week to week, then yeah, maybe. But he's a very pedestrian runner, but he has fresh legs. He's on. He's in that fresh legs group, you know? The numbers aren't eye-popping for Kenny Pickett. Um, mm-hmm. Not making a lot of it's mistakes. Better, you know, looking like a comfortable player that is what you want to see from your rookie quarterbacks. What's your overall um, outlook for Kenny Pickett now that we've seen him for a handful of games? More and more encouraging. I mean, a lot of turnovers pre-buy. But I did say, you know, like Pro Football Focus has that metric of turnover-worthy plays. Every one of his turnover-worthy play ended up as an interception. Some of that's just bad luck. Like nobody ever dropped one. Yeah. One of them was on a Hail Mary. Throws a catch the ball. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> guys. One of them was on a one that Chase Claypool fell and the defensive back caught it. One of them was late in the game when you're getting blown out by 40. So it wasn't as bad as it looked. But he does still 
I mean, he 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 puts the ball not in the same in harm's way. He's not cautious. He's not Alex Smith. So I mean, he's not that type of guy. He's still aggressive. All the finer points of his game, I'm seeing a small little step forward every week, which is all you can ask. I mean, he looks like he belongs. I think he's an NFL starting quarterback. I want to look at the playoff picture now in the yeah. NFL, starting with the NFC, because there's something that is that could be quite interesting and uh, clearly has never happened because we've never, you know, we haven't had that many seasons with this many wild card teams. But right now, Matt, if the season ends today, as of course we know it doesn't, but there's a pretty big gap we've talked about developing between the good and bad teams, especially in the NFC. Right now, it'd be the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys would be the three wildcard teams those teams all happen to play in the same division as the team with the best record in the nfl at 10 and 1 philadelphia eagles so the entire nfc east could make the playoffs this year matt and there's really only one other team in the nfc that's over 500 that's the six and five seattle seahawks that are really in contention i mean after that it's five and seven falcons and then no other teams even have more than four wins in the nfc so you know it's pretty realistic that we know which seven teams probably are going to be in the playoffs with maybe one team in any likelihood to jump into that mix in the nfc if matt it stays in this order though the nfc east teams all four of them would not none of them would play each other in week one of the playoffs with the eagles having a bye it would be the Vikings at two against Washington at yeah, seven. They'd all go on the road, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It would be three 49ers hosting the six New York Giants and then the four Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five and six winning the NFC South. Whoever wins the NFC South there likely hosting the five seed, which would be the Dallas Cowboys. If all of those teams won, the entire NFC, four teams in the divisional round would all be from the same division, NFC East. That is a possibility. And that's just something that uh, was brought to my attention by uh, my buddy Joshua. And he's a Dallas Cowboys fan, unfortunately for him. And <laughs> that, uh, but that would be amazing, right? If, if the, all four NFC East teams in the second round of the playoffs were the only teams left in the NFC. Like, I thought that was kind of mathematically impossible. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not. I mean, some mathematicians like, yeah, of course it's possible, Williamson. But, I mean, <laughs> highly, highly unlikely. You know, like, right. people are talking about that, about the AFC West. Like, before the season, all those four teams are going to go. I'm like, they're going to beat up each other. Like, it's just, it's almost impossible. However, I'm not sure if everyone knows this. Washington and the Giants play each other two of the next three weeks. So, if they split, I kind of think it's going to happen. I mean, I think the Giants are plummeting, but that means somebody has to. Step they almost up. need to have like a little handshake agreement because best right, right, right. them if they both split. The only the only way one of them's not going to make the playoffs if they start losing a whole bunch of games. Right, and I'm a little worried about Seattle now, but I do think Seattle's a better football team than the Giants right this minute, as currently constructed. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if the Giants should be favored against that many teams going forward, but if they could split with Washington, it's certainly possible. I mean. Uh, this NFC, I give Washington credit because they're playing well. They've found a formula. They're running the football. They're trusting their D-line to keep everything close. And they're at least ascending where the Giants and the Seattle are descending. I'm not sure the Bucks are any good. Amazingly, the Falcons are only a half game back in their division in their five and seven. I mean, <laughs> ugly. And I don't see any of these four-win teams, Detroit, Packers, pa- Carolina, Arizona, New Orleans, like, getting hot and coming up but i guess you'd have to you'd have to make up three games in that right right it'd be so hard to do right i mean 
is Green Bay capable? Is Arizona capable? Maybe, but I'm not seeing it. So I hate to say it because it is a really cool thing to talk about is the way you laid it out. But I feel like there's four teams that are going to be big favorites in the first round of the NFC playoffs and then the NFC playoffs start. Right. And very likely whoever the 49ers play, they will be big favorites over sure. them. And, and, and that's why it's been so important for a team to um, like, because you don't want to play the Cowboys. Right. So that's They'd a big favorite in the three seed versus the four seed. If the Cowboys are the right. first wild card team. Absolutely. And I hope the Bucs are the four because I don't think they're one of the top three teams. And I would think Dallas in Tampa wild card weekend Cowboys are favored. On the road, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely take the Cowboys there yeah. uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with what we've seen from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whoever ends up winning the South. Absolutely. AFC side of things, um, I, the Miami Dolphins right now, I think they're in that category with the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, teams you don't want to play right now, right? And what's amazing is we talked about the the AFC West for a second there, not being the teams that we expected them to be. And if the season ended today, chargers, once again, only out one, of the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders out of the playoffs, Denver Broncos out of the playoffs, the AFC West realistically might only get one team in those Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. I, of the, on the bubble teams or in the hunt teams, the chargers are the one I think could finish strongest as some of their guys come back. And I trust the quarterback. Could they get past the, the Patriots and jets? I think that's very possible. Um, Miami's sitting pretty at two though, right now, Buffalo could certainly catch them. I don't, I think the, the South and the AFC is done. I mean, Tennessee doesn't have to do much to win this division, probably win two more games and it's done. Maybe one more game, maybe one, right? It's really that bad. They've got a three, they got a three game lead on both the Colts are four and seven Jags are four and seven. The Texans obviously, you know, at one and nine and one aren't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Colts, I'm sorry, four, seven and one. And the Titans are seven and four. Again, that's a three game lead at this point in the season. That, that would have to be a massive collapse and a crazy run by one of those teams. And yeah. it's, I don't think that's in either one of those scenarios. And what's crazy about the AFC is, you know, the, the Browns and Steelers and Raiders are four and seven, but they're like the 14th, 13th and 12th seeds right now. You know, like the Steelers are four and seven and they're only two teams below them, you know, where they were in the NFC they would be the 10th seed. You know, I mean, not that any of these teams are worthy of going to the playoffs, but right. if the, the – I bring that up because of the Browns. Let's say Deshaun Watson comes in and is like the second-best quarterback in the league and they go on a run. They still probably can't pass all these teams. The other side of seeding is the NFL draft. Let's talk about the top of the draft and some of those teams that maybe aren't going to be playing deep into January, certainly not playing in February. And I got to ask the question about – Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos and where they're at right now. And is this an all time collapse for not just, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think everyone expected a lot more from the Broncos, but from a player, from a hall of fame track player in Russell Wilson. And we'll look at the top of the draft next. This episode of Peacock and Williamson brought to you by audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. Find Block Forever, now wherever you get your podcast. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL offensive lineman, all pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level, giving football fans and insiders look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. Khalil sits down with star players, coaches, former pros across the league to get real about what happens on the field, but especially behind the scenes. 
inside the locker room, during team meetings, back at the hotel, which is where things get really juicy. You'll hear from players like Christian McCaffrey talk about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football. Juju Smith-Schuster gives gives his most honest opinions about other players and positions in the league. New episodes of Block Forever recorded and released every week ahead of Thursday Night Football. So check it out. Ryan and guests discuss all kinds of topics like players psyches sports betting playing through pain being a leader how to deal with combative teammates there's nothing out of bounds catch the full block forever series available anywhere you get your podcasts available now audible get in the game so looking at the top of the nfl draft there is a team that has a pick very high in the seattle seahawks but the seattle seahawks are an above 500 team at six and five right now why do they yeah. have that pick well they traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. And right now at three and eight, those Denver Broncos would have the Seattle Seahawks picking in the top four. And only because they would lose a tiebreaker to the Rams, who the Detroit Lions own their pick. So two of the top four picks potentially are teams that traded for quarterbacks that thought they would be Super Bowl contenders that are in really rough shape at three and out at three and eight right now after 12 weeks, 12 weeks. I can't speak. Uh, like the Rams and the Denver Broncos. But I want to focus on the Broncos just really quick. So we didn't, that's one of the games we didn't really talk about. We didn't have time this week. And the, the Broncos lost to the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. They're in a really bad spot. Yeah. But my quick question to you is, is Russell Wilson falling off the steepest cliff we've ever seen from a player that was probably on a Hall of Fame track? Uh, this is just, it's strange. They, they are... Yeah really bad right now in Denver on offense and they have too much talent to be this bad. First of all, I give Seattle credit for getting what they did out of him because there's been glimpses, more than glimpses, stretches over his last two years in Seattle where he was no longer a top five, top 10 type quarterback. I mean, he had a whole second half of a a whole half of a season where he was pretty bad and you could excuse some of it away. Like, Oh, it's the worst O-line league. He's fighting this injury or that injury. But there was decline clearly showing, and it was easier to ignore it then than now. Unfortunately, I think, I mean, yes, this is as bad a fall as we've ever seen, really, to be honest, unless it was some massive injury or whatever. I mean, unexplainable in that he's always sort of struggled to see the field. And not that he's been so reliant on his athleticism, because he's an awesome deep passer. He's been a very good passer of of the football But he always had that trump card of being able to elude or even just shuffle his feet a little bit to see the field. I think his athleticism and playmaking skills have fallen off a cliff and he no longer has that to rely on. And he's not as sharp with all the mental stuff because he's not as comfortable because it's a new system and he's in a new environment. That doesn't excuse any of it, though, because it's all on him. I mean, he's a bad football player. I honestly think he's like one of the worst five true starting quarterbacks in the league. Like I'm not talking about like Allen and Houston and those guys. I mean, the guys that are real starters in the league, I'd rather play against him than 25 other guys on the planet right now. I mean, he's playing like Justin Fields. If you take away fields running ability, maybe worse, which is not good. That's not good football, right? Uh, he's playing like Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson just got benched for Mike White. You can't yeah. bench this guy because of all the money you owe him and all the the draft picks you spent on him, but uh, pretty amazing what's going on. I I can't remember. uh, He was midway through two seasons ago. He was the MVP favorite and stopped playing great 
and is now not even playing good. So it is November 29th. They are three and eight. They have already been eliminated from winning their over under win total. Like that's from, I mean, that says a lot. I think they're the only team because just shows what expectations were and mm-hmm. where they landed. The Rams must be too, the more I think about it. But I mean, people thought they were a 10 win team going into the season and they can't get there. Whatever the over under win total is, you can't, that bet is over. You've lost if you took Denver over. I mean, even if they win every game, that's a remarkable difference between expectations and reality. And it's not because, you know, Stafford's hurt, cups hurt, yada, yada, yada. And not that I'm excusing the Rams. Cause by the way, the three teams picking ahead of Denver on this chart, Houston, Chicago, and the Rams, to me, are clearly the bottom three teams in the league and might not win another game. Especially if the Rams are going to roll out Bryce Perkins. Exactly. Quarterback. Um, and now and, Aaron Donald has a high ankle sprain. You know, yeah, like, yeah. is anybody going to play now? Allen Robinson shut down. It's, you know, the Rams don't get the benefit. I mean, I guess yeah. it helps them in the second round, but it definitely doesn't help them in the first round to tank right now because the Detroit Lions own that pick. And the Lions are going to be picking in the top three, most likely. And again, probably in the top 10 because the Lions record is four and seven. They got that Rams pick. So right now, the Houston Texans are looking pretty good to draft number one overall. The, the Chicago Bears at three and nine. Uh, a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Justin Fields banged up very likely to be drafting there in the top three to two to five picks. You got the Rams at three and eight. You got the Denver Broncos at three and eight, the lions and and Seattle Seahawks own those picks. And then you got a whole slew of teams with four wins, about a dozen teams with four wins uh, between Carolina, new Orleans, who, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles own. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles Eagles might have the six pick the draft (laughs) right now would be the sixth pick in the draft. That that is the new Orleans pick that the Philadelphia Eagles own. That's probably another big story here. We got to roll, but the Eagles could set a record, Matt, for the biggest distance between the pick they earn and the pick that they actually get to yeah. first utilize in the NFL draft. I want to say Jalen Carter and throw him there on that go. D-line. You know, yeah. Last little nugget, and this is the big story, is four teams, Rams, Denver, New Orleans, Cleveland, all traded away their first-round pick because they thought they were big-time contenders. They all have a top-10 pick right now if it was, you know, they're, all those teams are in big trouble. Bad shape and yeah. maybe overestimated how good they were going to be in 2022. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen back tomorrow. Mailbag episode at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then Peacock and Williamson.